The coronavirus has put an end to spring training and a delay to the baseball season. We look at when the season could start and take a trip down Yankees memory lane with Nelly after hearing a clip from Doc Gooden. 2019 New York Sports Writer of the Year Mike Vaccaro drops by to talk about this weird time in sports, a look back to 9-11, and the impact on the New York sports scene. All that and a whole lot more next on Episode 2 of the Pinstripe Pod. Welcome to the Pinstripe Pod, a New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Chris Sheeran, alongside my co-host, former Yankees reliever and four-time World Series champion Jeff Nelson. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, where you can rate us five stars and write a nice review. You could also subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The post Mike Vaccaro drops by in episode two today, so let's get right to it. With this coronavirus wreaking havoc on America, we're still doing it. We're still doing this podcast. Hey, Chris, have you self-quarantined yourself yet? I'm sitting here in a closet. I've self-quarantined right now. You're in a closet? (laughs) (laughs) I I haven't taken it uh, to those levels. I'm actually at the Yes Network because uh, here's how I'm doing. Not a very large house and uh, two children that are under 12 and home from school for the next two weeks. Uh, And they are getting homeschooled. They're they're doing my my one daughter has to stay on the computer from 8 a.m. to noon. And she's FaceTiming her friends so she doesn't have to sit there by herself and do it. And my younger daughter has schoolwork for the next two weeks that was taken home last week. So, yeah. I needed to get the heck out of the house. So I am in my office uh, at the Yes Network. So kind of self-quarantining, but not to the limits that you're taking it now. Well, my wife, the last three days, I think I've washed the same pans about uh, four or five different times. She has made so much food. We have two freezers, stocked two freezers with meatballs, lasagna, stew, steak, you name it. She's ready for a year. We've got enough toilet paper for about five years. Uh, we have enough Clorox wipes to wipe the whole neighborhood down. So luckily we live on an island. So we do. We actually live on an island where we could go out to the beach and golf and, and not have to interact with very many people. So it's uh, so hopefully we kind of stay safe down here while this thing just gets the heck out of America so we can start the sports season. That's what this is all about. That's the tricky thing because, you know, spring training is delayed. Now the NBA is saying they're not going to come back until mid to late June, which would potentially extend the NBA season into August. Uh, The NFL just ratified their CBA, so they have labor peace for 10 years, but who the heck knows if when September rolls around, because we heard from Dr. Fauci, who's who's leading the country uh, down this fight against the coronavirus. He would like a two-week national shutdown. We don't know if that's going to happen or not. Sports is the least amount of our concerns right now. We just need to get people to... uh, Uh, hashtag social distance themselves from other people because we saw what happened in Italy. Obviously, that whole country is in lockdown right now. No one's allowed to go out of their house. And that's exactly what we don't want to happen here. This situation, as we've heard from NBA teams, as we've heard from MLB teams, the magic word, Nelly, is fluid. It's a fluid situation. But when I sit here And I go through Twitter because there's not a lot to do when you're pretty much keeping yourself at your house, which is what you should do unless you really need stuff to go out and grab stuff and go right back home. 
But you go through Twitter and you see a tweet like downtown Nashville. There's just a huge party over the weekend in downtown Nashville with a tweet that says downtown Nashville is still undefeated. It dry, it, it makes me want to spin myself into the ceiling. This is exactly how stuff got awful in Italy. And to me, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about the young people who say, oh, well, I could beat this and it doesn't matter. You know, I could go out and I could still do what I No. It's not about you. Stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the people around you. That's what you have to do. And you have to be responsible. This is not a vacation. Well, I mean, the young people think that, oh, you know what, I'll get it and I'll just kick it anyway. Who cares? It's all the elderly and, uh, you know, they're the ones that are going to be affected. The low immune systems, they're the ones that are going to be affected. Ah, we can just go party in the bars. And, you know, if we get it, so what? We'll kick it here in another four or five weeks. But that's not the thing. You know, this is this is crazy. I mean, the CDC is already trying to come out and recommended not to have a group more than 50 people now uh, in a gathering. So, you know, what is that telling everyone? I mean, they're down here in Florida where I am, there's still spring breakers in Miami and Fort Lauderdale. The beaches were packed and they had to close the beaches to get people out of here. So you look at Italy, you, this hasn't even reached its peak in the United States yet. I mean, who knows when baseball is going to start? They talk, they're talking right now, maybe June 1st. But once it peaks, then you have another six to eight weeks until after that, until maybe it's out of here. So uh, this is really, this has really gone to drastic measures when you have certain cities that are closing up bars and restaurants. Illinois is one of them. Uh, Boston has done some of that as well. Maybe New York City is on the verge of doing that. People are, are not out of work. I mean, they're home, yes, but this is the safety of others, like you just mentioned. You you, you have to be careful. You can't be you can't be idiots. You can't be like Italy and hey, just do whatever you want and look what they're doing. They're on lockdown. I mean, they have to. Go go out of their balconies and and to pass time they're singing through the streets and playing music on their balconies that's how that's how they have to pass their time now because of this virus for sports fans out there nelly we know it's real in the nba we know rudy gobert donovan mitchell uh I, there's a player from the pistons his name escapes me he tested positive as well but there's also a yankees minor leaguer who tested positive over, he was at the Himes complex and, you know, he, he said he wasn't there or, or it, there wasn't really that much of a panic. He didn't come in contact with major leaguers, but the fact that a Yankees minor leaguer, the only player in baseball at any level to test positive, it's there and it's real. So if you're a player, Nelly, Spring training has been postponed. The season's been postponed. How do you handle this? What do you do to keep things going as a player, as a, especially as a pitcher? It's tough. You know, most, some organizations like the Miami Marlins, I know, completely shut their spring training down. I mean, the guys can't even come in to use the facilities. And I think the Cardinals have done the same thing. They actually share a facility down here in West Palm Beach. The Yankees, and there's quite a few teams have chosen to stay around, the major leaguers, stay around and continue to practice, continue to have intersquare. I like that idea. They Nobody knows when they're going to come back, but I like the idea that everybody is staying around doing some kind of baseball activity because if you just shut it down, I mean, it's almost like at the end of the season when you're shutting it down in September or October and then you have to vamp it up again. This is when injuries happen. When you're shutting everything down, you don't throw, you don't hit, you don't do any kind of baseball activity. And then here in another month, you're saying, okay, here comes spring training again. You try to ramp it back up thinking, okay, I have a month or maybe three or four weeks, five weeks to get ready for the season. This is when injury happens. This is very alarming. I like the teams that are staying around and doing some kind of activity. It's going to be Groundhog Day every single day. You're going to go through the same kind of routine 
But that's that's the key. If you can stay with that routine and keep your arm in shape, keep hitting, doing activities to get you ready for for spring training. With the Marlins, I have no idea what they're going to do, when they're going to come back. The Cardinals the same way. It's the teams like the Yankees that I think are really going to benefit this when, you know, spring training or the season starts. I thought it was uh, very responsible, by the way, of the New York Yankees, not only because they wanted to stay together as a team and not because they think they are a World Series championship contender this season because they know they are bringing in Garrett Cole, as we know. But the fact that they had a unanimous vote to stay together in Tampa, to me, says a lot about this team. To me, uh, Nelly, that's very responsible as not only a team, but as an organization to just they're not really hunkering down, but they're not going all over the country and putting themselves and other people at risk. They're staying in Tampa. They're still working out. They had some infield and outfield practice yesterday. Aaron Boone said they're thinking of having inter-squad games. I think that's the way to do it. I know other teams, I know the Cardinals, they've dispersed, they've gone elsewhere. You know, we're going to address this later with Mike Vaccaro, but how do you see if baseball doesn't come back until June, just speculation here, but if it doesn't come back until June, Nelly, how do you think this is going to work out with how many games, the playoffs stretching into November. How do you think this is going to go with MLB? To have a legitimate season, don't you have to have 100 games under your belt? You're going to lose 62 games. How much can you take this regular season into October? Because right now, I think regardless, they're going to have the World Series in November, and you just don't want to get it close to Thanksgiving. You want to kind of keep it maybe a week or two uh, before that. I mean, that would be great. But it has to be 100 games because then all of a sudden you start putting, is this a legitimate champion? Uh, And then you can say, hey, the 2017 Houston Astros weren't legitimate and maybe the 2020 world champions won't be legitimate either because there aren't enough games. Uh, But, you know, I think they want to try to get a hundred possibly, you know, maybe that consists of throwing some double headers in there. Uh, We talked about this. uh, what last week or maybe having a double header on every Sunday, you know, they used to have them every Sundays back when we used to grow up. Maybe that's a, an option, have one or two a week to try to make up those games. The players are just going to have to hang with them. Maybe the rosters get expanded instead of 26, which it used to be 25 this year, 26. Maybe during the double headers, they go 28 guys allowed to add three more or two more to that roster to help things out. I think the double headers are a good idea, obviously, to make up some ground. But you, you still have to, in my eyes, uh, Nelly, you still have to protect these guys at, at some point because you don't want to just ramp it up with double headers every week, depending on how much of a re opening of spring training you get you're talking about putting players at risk don't you think well the players are going to be at risk from teams like the cardinals and the marlins that are shutting down i read something that some of the mariners uh you know i think went home i don't understand why you're even flying now uh, unless you drive home i mean going on an airplane put yourself even at more risk than just staying around that complex the players who choose to go home they're the ones that are risking injury the most you know when they're not doing baseball activity you're not going to be throwing out of college you're not going to be throwing out a high school you're not going to be going to a gym you want to stay away from everyone you know it's better when teams or guys stay around the area where their spring training complex is Uh, I I think some of them have shut it down just for a few days just maybe to do a local cleaning or or spray do whatever disinfecting the whole entire place so you might not come in contact with the virus you might not have a player like the Yankees a young player in the Maryland League system come in contact and test positive for the virus so uh, and then I think some clubs are opening up I think today on Monday or maybe Tuesday, they're opening back up their facilities. But the one
ones that are staying away, they're the ones that risk injury. You know, when we have the all-star break, you know, now it's four days. It used to be three when I played. It was tough to ramp it back up after three days. I can't imagine after about six or eight weeks trying to get it back again. Yeah, that's a fair point. And, you know, if if you were to tell me a couple of weeks ago when we were both chosen to do this podcast with the New York Post that I would be talking about Clorox wipes and lasagna for a year with you, uh, I would have said, <laughs> no way. Uh, no, we're not going to be talking about that stuff. We're going to be talking about baseball. But uh, hey, these are uncharted waters for both of us in our lifetimes. I don't think we've ever been involved in something like this. But let's look back to happier days, though, when baseball was happening and you were playing winning titles with the Yankees. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think we have to do that to to get people's minds off of this coronavirus. Oh, I've got good stories, man. I've got good stories that'll last at least eight to 10 weeks, maybe a year. <laughs> I- I'm ready. We can just spill the beans. I'm not writing a book. This podcast, they can listen to that. I'm not writing any kind of book. I won't throw anybody under the bus, but I've got stories. Terrific job with the lead in, Nelly. Doc Gooden is a guy I spoke with a few weeks ago, an old teammate of yours, the former Met, the former Yankee great pitcher. And he talked about some of those memories of you pranking guys and something that he put in your pocket. Nelly's my boy, man. He he, no, he probably could sit through 85 or 90. He still has a good arm. He could throw, but we had fun. You know, the only story I can remember telling about Nelly was, I remember in 97, I think it was, they put me in the bullpen. And him and John Wetland, they had this thing where they always, oh, it was 96, I'm sorry. They had this thing where they mess with players and they kind of initiate you. Where you come down there, they tie your shoe or they put something in your shoe. And I used to put something in his pocket that I can't say <laughs> on your show, but uh, he knows what it was. I don't know. I don't know about the eighty-five or ninety anymore. We were just in fantasy camp, and I, I think I blew out my shoulder. I'm going to have to try to do exercises to get ready for Old Timers Day in in August. But as far as the story about him putting something in my pocket, now I think he's he's got a little bit wrong. Now this he got a little excited coming down the bullpen. I don't think we needed a fifth starter for a while, so he he came down, and it was his very first day. We did something during that year where we celebrated guys' birthdays, just a bullpen guys. So we can get away from everything. There's there's only a couple cities that have their bullpens right down the lines that that are in play. Everything else is over the fence, which is what, what we like. We don't want anybody to see what we're doing down there. Uh, now it's a little different. I mean, these guys are like school kids. But back when we played, it wasn't like school kids. So we celebrated birthdays. So what happened is if your birthday was during the baseball season, a bullpen guy, they came down, you sat in a chair in the first inning, uh, usually didn't wear your uniform, you wore something else because it was going to get trashed. So every member of the bullpen could go around the clubhouse and get the biggest cup you could find and just fill it with any kind of food items, uh, anything from the training room, you name it, fill this cup. And in the first inning, they have to sit down and in this chair and then you pour, say happy birthday and you pour this concoction, whatever you do over their head. Now we told Doc about this. So they, Hey, this is your first day in the bullpen. Go get a cup. I said, there's one thing or there's two things you can't put in it. Urine and feces. You cannot do that. And he goes, okay, got it. So we go down and I, I forget, maybe it was Mike Stanton. It was his birthday. I'm not sure. He's sitting in the chair. Actually, it wasn't 96. I think maybe Brian Bowringer back then. Maybe it was his birthday. He's sitting in a chair and all of a sudden Doc pours this cup and we see these lumps that look like little meatballs come in and they're landing on Bowringer's shoulder. And I'm like, what the heck is that? I said, Doc, what did you do? He, go, he goes, I pooped in the cup. I said, what? I said, we just told you not to do that. So that's the story. He thinks he put something in my pocket. He, he actually dumped in a cup and then poured it with everything else 
on Brian Boehringer's head. I'm like, what are you doing? So, you know, starters down there, we usually don't allow that because it was uh, it, it was one of those that he had to come down. He got a little excited and, and he actually didn't listen to the rules. I guess starters have their own rules. So he said, ah, you know what? I'm doing whatever I want. And he just started laughing. And and luckily, there's a lot of other stuff that got poured over his head. It was like, oh, and the only reason why I think I came up with it. See, my birthday's in November. So guess who doesn't have to sit in the chair? Me. I don't have to do that stuff. <laughs> I get to do it to everyone else. There was another time, I'll give a real quick story. We were in Boston. And I think this was the next year. It was uh, 97 when Mike Stanton came over. Uh, in Boston, you have to go across the field. So it was Mike Stanton's birthday. So Ramiro Mendoza, if you know what rosin, rock rosin is what everybody really likes a pitch likes because if you, it's just a little moisture, you get really, uh, your hands get really tacky and you get a good grip on the baseball. Well, Mendoza didn't know what to go around and put in his cup. So what he did, he, he smashed up rock rosin and he put it in a cup. Well, he was the last one to go. So everybody pours all this stuff over Mike Stanton. And then here comes Mendoza. He pours, it looks like baby powder, but it was rock rosin. So Mike Stanton took four innings, his hair hardened like cement. And he could not, he said, what the heck did Mendoza pour on my head? I could not get this cement out of my head. It took four innings for him to get this stuff out of his head. And plus he had to run across the field and all, every, both sides, the Red Sox and the Yankees are looking at Stanton with all this stuff all over him. But it was one of those things that you got to pass the time. And we really had a lot of fun doing it. That, that sounds like a police academy, Captain Mauser situation there when Mahoney puts glue in his shampoo. Yes. So yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, you're right. You have to pass the time somehow. And uh, just like we're trying to do now with this coronavirus uh, going around. Now, let's get into uh, when baseball could return and look back at 9-11 in New York with New York Post sports columnist Mike Vaccaro. That's the 2019 New York sports writer of the year, Mike Vaccaro. You could follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Vac, that's two C's. Read his stories in the post and at nypost.com. Mike, welcome to the Pinstripe Pod in these trying times, my friend. Chris, it's great talking to you. Great to talk about anything besides the trying times. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let, well, let's first talk about that. It's not difficult for you because you're such a great writer and I've been reading you my entire life. So, but what is it like trying to write about sports with no sports going on? Well, you know, the way I've described it to people, Chris, is that uh, it's kind of like going back to your roots a little bit. You kind of have to figure things out, be creative, you know, be smart. You can't rely on games as a crutch, you know, and game, I, I don't mean to make, make, make games sound like a crutch when they're going on, but obviously if you, if you have a full sporting schedule, especially here in New York, you know, it's like a buffet table, cover the Knicks on Tuesday, cover the Mets on Thursday, cover the Yankees on Sunday. Uh, you can build your whole week around things weeks in advance. Obviously in these days when there's no games to build around now, it's a little different today. I guess the NFL is starting their season. So there's actual news to talk about. And over the weekend, I know I, I took advantage of uh, kind of the news manna from heaven with Rick Pitino getting hired at Iona. But for the most part, you know, in order to, uh, to, to, to to produce stuff for the paper every day, you got to be creative. You know, in some ways, it makes it's making us earn our money all over again because we don't have the games to fall back on. Well, talk about being creative. Uh, what do you think the players are going through now as far as work stoppage and the, and the unknown of when baseball is going to come back? Yeah, and that's the thing. Baseball players are such creatures of habit and routine, and they do the same thing every day. You know, they're, they're, they're used to a standard 
hour by hour accounting of their day. Uh, that's got to be very difficult for them. Look, I, I guess we all are to a degree. You know, we all catch the same train in the morning and catch the same train coming home. And we know when our me- our meetings are every week. And so I get, I guess we're all creatures of routine. Uh, but baseball players are so highly fine-tuned physically, you know, and, and, and I think that makes a difference. And look, I mean, I, I have no idea what this break is going to do to pitchers because there is a real science to how pitchers build themselves up during spring training. You do an inning here, then two innings, then three innings, then four innings, and and suddenly that's all been interrupted. The the one thing about all this, though, that I think is important to remember, Chris, it's okay to ask these questions. I know sometimes people feel like they have to kind of almost quantify whenever they're talking about stuff like sports in these times, saying, well, I know it's not as important as uh, as the coronavirus. No, it's not. But you can actually, I think, you know, live in, in, in that duality where you're obviously trying to do the right thing and stay safe for you and your family, but also think about the things that you do enjoy and sports is something that we enjoy and sports is something that we think about constantly and this is something worth thinking about it is because at some point they're going to come back and at some point we're going to enjoy them and probably going to enjoy them twice as much as we did before but it's okay to ask those questions now i really believe that it's interesting because the way you put that is perfect because sports all the time is your escape from everyday life, whether it's something you're going through personal, whether it's a national emergency like what we're going through now. Uh, we'll get into 9-11 and what happened with sports back then. But before we get there, when do you see baseball realistically starting? And we, we, we heard Angel Hernandez walk by Yankees beat reporters after their last spring training game before spring training was put on hold and, and the season was postponed by saying, I'll see you guys in June. So if that's the case and what you just said about pitchers and spring training and how it's very scientific and how they ramp up, when can you realistically see, you know, if, if, if a quote unquote spring training doesn't get started until late May, early June, how many games are we looking at playing? Are we looking at double headers every week? Are we looking at any days off? How do you, how do you see the baseball season getting back underway here? It's funny. I think all of us were kind of taking faith in the fact that we all think of Angel Hernandez as being the worst umpire in baseball, that maybe he'd gotten that one wrong. <laughs> but you know, when he said, that I'm like, you know what? Umpires know, you know, and and players know, and whether whether they they have the guts to say it or not. I thought he was the one guy who actually either had the guts or the foolishness to say that. I, I think he's right. I thought he was right when he said it, only because. I think you could see the time that, that, that baseball is heading toward where it is now, which is a total shutdown. You just can't have full workouts every day at a time when we're trying to experience social distancing. So, I mean, look, I mean, I, I think whenever whenever you get the go-ahead to play again, you're not going to be able to put a full six weeks of spring training in. But even if you put in three weeks, you know, that's still going to be, a you know, so 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 say, you know, the CDC recommendation of, of, of eight weeks is exactly eight weeks. And that's when you can start doing spring training again. June 15th. I mean, is that a, is, is that a reasonable, hopeful starting time? And can you fit in 100 games before you in that, in, that, in that time? I'm sure the Players Association is going to frown upon the idea of having, you know, every team play 15 doubleheaders. So, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they're going they, to they meet halfway and you can talk about a doubleheader a week, which maybe allows you to play 110. But that's what I would think would be realistic at this point. And that's not even, you know, kind of qualifying the, the doomsday scenario where this doesn't go nearly as quickly as we hope it to go. And, and we can't start gathering again until until July or August or later than that. I've seen something with the NBA where they've talked about when they do, when they can come back, they'll play like play games at training facilities to make it a little easier to play games without fans. It's hard to do that with baseball, because even if you play these games in spring training facilities, I mean, that's still eight, 10, 12,000 fans. 
or eight, 10, 12,000 seats. And that's kind of just a hard way. Look, I, I know a lot of athletes, baseball players, especially took a lot of criticism by saying, I don't know if I can play without fans. And I, and I understand the criticism they took, but I also understand what they're saying. I mean, you know, baseball is such a game that's developed on adrenaline and getting kind of fired up and, and to play these games in front of empty stadiums is going to be hard to do, but that's going to be, I think, one of the options baseball is going to have to confront, at least in terms of the practice games they're going to have to do before before you know every, a regular season can even begin. Well, Mike, you know it is it would be tough not playing in front of fans, and it's already a sport that you feed off the energy of people around you and, and not to have that it would be kind of tough for a player to do it and if that's what they have to do to I guess the magic number is 100 games to make it a legitimate season here's my thing that I was concerned and Chris and I talked about it is injuries uh, you're talking about a shutdown the all-star break I mean when I play we had three days now it's four days and it's tough just to, to try to revamp it up after four days off and not doing anything and, and one of the things with the uh, the world baseball classic is they really couldn't find a great time to play it because okay are we going to start early are we going to start later or at the end of the season? But the teams like the Yankees that are staying around and doing some kind of baseball activity, these teams are the ones that are going to benefit more when they do start instead of the ones that like the Marlins or the Cardinals are totally have shut down. They're going to ask these players to try to have a spring training and vamp it up again when some of them probably won't do anything until they hear when they come back. Yeah, and you would know that obviously better than any of us. But the thing of it is that the, the thing that, I, that, I, that I'm concerned about, I mean, for one thing, I, I, I doubt I don't know that you can replicate the speed of actual baseball just in those workouts, maybe you can. Maybe maybe you can tell me tell me differently. The thing that I'm also worried about is that you're going to have a rash, specifically of pitchers' injuries, only because I, w- I would think it's going to be a brave new world. I'm not. I don't remember what it was like in '95. If you had a lot, of, it was a different game kind of back then, right? So, but I'm thinking that you know, there's, there's no way that by the time a truncated spring training ends, that starting pitchers are going to be ready to go seven innings. So you're going to have a lot of you know four inning starts. You're going to have a lot of guys maybe who try and push themselves. You're going to have a lot of guys who are going to I guess, assume extra work that they're not used to necessarily. And I would think that probably is, is a terrible Petri dish for injuries also. I think the pitching is going to be something that you really have to keep a, an extra eagle eye on. And I know we do any, anyway in, this, in, in the modern game, but that seems to be something that's going to be a real potential for some, some real devastation if things aren't handled you know, real carefully and really properly. Well, in 95, I, I, always, I actually thought it was the best spring training ever because for a reliever, we only have to throw a certain amount, maybe 10 innings, and we were done. We wound mm-hmm. up showing only had a month of spring. And what I liked is we actually expanded the rosters. I think we actually had, what, maybe 28 instead of the 25. So we had three extra for maybe the first couple weeks of the season. We wound up playing 144 games. And in Seattle, that was the first time we ever made the playoffs there. Right. But it was, uh, it, was actually, it was actually nice to only have a month of spring instead of an extra two weeks. But it's going to be totally drift different now because who knows how much spring training they're going to have. Who, know, who knows how many games they will actually play. You know, and you make a great point, I think, I think one thing that's absolutely going to have to happen is to expand the rosters, at least for the first portion of the season. You know what, if it's a, if it's a hundred game season, I think baseball is really going to have to think about carrying 28 players a team just for the benefit of the, of the health and well-being of the players asking them to play that truncated a schedule. And look, I mean, even if we're talking about June 15th, I mean, 100 games in that time, I haven't done the math, but that's you got to be talking about a, a dearth of days off, too. You're going to have to, I think, be, be talking about an expanded, an expanded roster in, in order to be able to accommodate that, for sure. Just trying to think back, Mike, in my lifetime. I'm 46 years old, so I'm trying to think back to a time when maybe something like this could compare. Nothing where, you know, I was thinking, like, sports was canceled, obviously, 9-11, 
uh, and for good reason for those two weeks, around two weeks, the NFL, Major League Baseball, they all went on the back shelf so the, the country could heal. But I, I also thought of 79, 80, you know, sitting in those long gas lines with my father. I remember we needed enough gas in the car, wait in line to actually fill up and get more gas back then. Everything else wasn't shut down. It was just a uh, it was just a weird amount of time. And now closest thing I could think of, Mike, it is 9-11 when stuff got shut down. And I know you were all over it back then. What Can you make any correlation between what's going on now to what happened back then? Well, the, the thing of it is, it was it, it was amazing, but it was only 10 days. I mean, there were 10 very long days. And look, I mean, so much of what we were doing to occupy our time in those days was worrying about loved ones and and grieving about about, about those who had been lost and and really kind of pondering where we were and, and, and it was suddenly a pretty a brave new world so in some ways there wasn't enough time really to think about what we were missing you know in terms of the games and then the games were back and it was only 10 days later that you know it, it, i think it was september 21st when the when the famous piazza home run took place it was the first game played in new york after 9-11 and then they played football that weekend and, and, and everything was back and the one thing I remember about that weekend that I thought was in, in a weird way, and I know, I know Jeff as a, as, as a career relief pitcher will probably hate me for saying this, the, the first sign of normalcy that I remember feeling was that Sunday the Mets had a chance to sweep the Braves at, at uh, Shea Stadium, and Armando Benitez blew a ninth inning save, they lost the game, and this actually somewhat miraculous comeback the Mets were trying to pull off kind of was sidetracked because of that particular game, and he was booed off the mound, and I thought the sound of boos for the first time in my lifetime almost sounded like a a hopeful experience because you were actually able to care about baseball enough to boo again, um, as odd as that sounded, as, as that may seem. And, and I think, but, the, but, but, but you, you know, that all returns so quickly. I mean, I think right now what's really intimidating for a lot of people is thinking about, especially, especially you know, if, 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 you're, if you're being smart about it or at least being careful about it and trying to limit your social engagements, I mean, is, is understanding how long two months is, how understanding how long eight weeks is. Understanding that, you know, and look, I mean, I've tried to do everything I can in terms of fill the void, watching old games and, and using the, the, the internet to, the, to, to its fullest capacity. But after a while, that's going to get old. Sports is part of our daily life. And the idea that it's not there, you know, one of the great differences, I think, and I, and I wrote this early last week when it first started to shut down, is that, you know, in times of crisis, sports has always been the thing that we've kind of reached to, to feel normal again and to feel good about ourselves again. You know, baseball during World War II volunteered to, to shut down. And President Roosevelt said, absolutely not. Baseball is an essential part of the American way of life. And while, you know, you know, it's not necessarily life and death during times of war, it's an important vehicle for people to, to feel good about themselves. So that was during World War II. So you can imagine what this is like. I mean, obviously we're at a war essentially with germs, and but it, but 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 it's 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 all consuming. That's the thing that's going to be the real challenge, guys. Is that to me? I mean, you know, we look to sports as something that can be our salvation, and when it's not there to even be a distraction, uh, that's going to be something that really a, a real adjustment. Well, we can have a whole nother show about getting booed and what they meant and and what that uh, details in playing in New York and that, that could be <laughs> in a whole nother podcast. But yeah. with with nine eleven, the biggest difference was it was at the end of the year. You, you know, you're talking about the beginning of the year and all of a sudden spring training you've had four weeks and all of a sudden now you have to shut it down for a couple months and then start again uh we were stuck i was in seattle so we were stuck in anaheim for i think three or four days that we didn't do anything we were just able to walk around and do whatever and get out of our hotel uh, but we actually got to work out once we got to go back to seattle so it was a little bit different that we still kept in baseball activity and you already had a full season so almost the rest 
was good for some of the players going and, and finishing up the season and going to the postseason. How about getting rid of some of these maybe rules? Uh, you know, you talk about me being a reliever. The three batter rule is absolutely horrendous anyway. Do you see them maybe changing just a little bit because maybe not having a full season to look at some of this? Well, that's a great point, Jeff. And I'll tell you what, I think I, I think that's a uh, that's something you really have to take a look at. I, I think you have to look at look at your baseball. You have to look at everything. Roster limits is certainly something. That rule is not something that I think a lot of us were excited about seeing anyway. And I do think that uh, you know implementing that now seems like it's almost you know adding a little bit of a complication on top of things that are already pretty complicated. Yeah, I, I, I completely believe that. I, I, I think that when baseball returns, assuming it returns, I, I, I think it needs to be as in its in, in as simple a form as possible, but it's also got to be smart about things. I think that there's, look, there's going to be a whole lot of us who are going to just flock back to baseball games because we miss it so much, but it's also, you know, then you have to worry about the product over the course of the final three and a half or four months of when you're going to play these games. You know, I think there'll be a, what you talk about in terms of that 9-11 coming late in the season is, is really interesting to think about because I think, you know, one of the things you're going to have to guard a bit against is kind of like the rush of baseball to suddenly overcoming, you know, common sense. And I think that what you talk about with that three batter rule and what I talked about earlier with the roster are different ways that you can kind of try and hope to ease baseball back into into a way where it's not only important, but also safe. Mike Vaccaro, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Follow Mike on Twitter. Remember, at Mike Vac, that's two C's, and read his stories in the post and at nypost.com. Uh, stay safe, my friend. Uh, thank you again for your time. Chris, Jeff, thanks so much for having me on. Good talking to you guys. Hope we can do it again soon. That's a wrap for episode two of the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making the magic happen. And shout out to rabid Yankees fan, Constantine Maroulis and his beat maker, Static, for making this beat in the intro song you heard. Make sure to subscribe to the Pinstripe Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars and write a nice review on Apple, if you will. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. Talk to you all next Monday. Stay safe out there.